to another episode of Long-Legged Beasties. I'm Susan Arndt. With me, as always, are my good buddies, Brian Crescenti. Hello. And Adam Sessler. I am present. <laughs> and accounted for. Also accounted for. <laughs> uh, so, okay, I have a question for you guys. Uh-huh. Yes. Would you, and it's relevant to, to this week's episode, Uh-oh. would you rather... Uh-oh. Be hunted by a very big beastie or a lot of little beasties. Oh man, uh in in when I think about what the reference to this movie, I would say yeah. the little beasties cuz that big beastie is sort of uh, you just sit in the corner and cry. <laughs> well that big yeah, the big beastie is freaking huge. Um I would go for big beastie. I think I'm enough of a Lovecraftian that like I'm gonna die in either case, but I, <laughs> I'd like to see the thing that's you know non-Euclidean and beyond my imagining as the hmm. as the last thing before I die. A, a, a okay, bunch of small that. things just kind of slowly nicking me to death just sounds sad. A, a la a Jurassic Park, right? Those yes, little exactly. tiny. Dinosaurs. I was thinking, oh, was it was it Jurassic World, Jurassic Friends? What, what, what was Jurassic, that friends. Jurassic Friends. <laughs> Power Jurassic Friends T-Rex. is the spin-off where they have the coffee shop and they all kind of hang out together. Well, I like the, the, that's I, the wait. one where the dinosaurs, like, we feel bad for them. And I'm like, I, I'm really confused about this. I don't know how to feel bad for dinosaurs. Oh, I, Susan, yeah. I, I, I like how you went to the Friends TV show and I went to Super Friends. <laughs> that is the best. <laughs> okay, which one? With, 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 with the teens, with Powers, or the boy and the girl with the dog? Uh, the boy, the who are the ones that had the Wonder Twins? Which one were they? The were Wonder the Twins with yes. powers, right? That yeah. was later era Super Friends. The earlier one was with the boy and the girl and the dog, inexplicably. And did the dog uh-huh. have a cape also? Oh but no, that you're thinking of um, that Falcon. Was, no, that, that Fal- was Super Friends. That was Super Friends. Was it? I'm thinking yeah. of the I'm thinking of the spinoff, the Hanna Barbera spinoff. Okay, we are really getting off topic. We're yeah, really we're off topic. Gonna, um, let's bring this back around. <laughs> uh, for me, for me, I think I'm going. I think I'm going to go with the, the the very large beastie because at least then hopefully it's quick. Yeah. Because I, I feel like the little beasties, you would have hope. I know I could, if I just just take them out because they're small and it's okay. It's, no, no, they're going to overwhelm you and then you're just going to die tired. So uh, this is the podcast that puts horror movies in their proper place. And uh, before we reveal what we're ta- – well, you know what we're talking about because Probably. it's in the title. But before we get into that, Brian, explain what we mean about the whole proper place thing. Yes, so uh, we all know that a horror movie is a genre. It is the the genre of movie. Uh, But we've decided that that there are so many horror movies out there that there not only has to be a subgenre within horror movies, but also a sub-subgenre. And and to make sure we track all this correctly, of course, I've created a spreadsheet, which I know Susan and Adam love so much, so dearly. Uh, I, I do. I, I desperately want to make yeah, this into an Airtable database. In yes, exactly. Yeah, this did, is you the... know that? did you know that? Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, this is an off-brand spreadsheet. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we, we have these overarching uh, themes of uh, creature, gore, killer, paranormal, psychological, science, and nature. And then we have the subgenres within them or the sub-subgenres. And what we do is we debate 
how this movie, you know, where it should be shoved based on what it is that scares us. Like, what's the thing that's driving the fear in each movie? And uh, we expect this list to evolve as we go, and we always want to hear from the audience as to what they think. And this should be, I would think this would be obvious going in, but this is a spoilery discussion. So if you haven't seen the movie that we're talking about in any given episode, highly recommend you go watch it first and then listen to the podcast now. What's our movie this week, Adam? Yeah, so the movie is, it's a recent movie, which is a new one for us. Uh, we've already done, you know a, a, you know, a lot of older movies. But this is Underwater. Um, I believe it came out this year. Um, it was probably one of the last movies to hit movie theaters before, like, everything shut down. It's Underwater. Uh, it is a fairly straightforward film of people who are in the Mariana Trench. That's the lowest point of the Pacific Ocean. Um, and I'm just going to just say this right now. I love underwater things. Uh, I'm fascinated by Mario. Yeah, I, I'm more interested in underwater than space, uh, which has always made me a weirdo in my nerd friend you know, circles. Uh, but yeah, they're in the Mariana Trench, which if you could give me an opportunity to actually go down there, I just want to do it once in my life. Anyway, they're down there and they're drilling. And as we all know, don't drill. Just don't drill because bad things happen. Um, and a lot of bad things happen here. A the entire site where they're doing the drilling starts to collapse. Um, a lot of the people who are working there die, and we have a very small group of people. Uh, Nora and Lucian, who are the most prominent, played by Kristen Stewart and uh, Vincent Cassel, who is actually one of my favorite actors, uh, are, are them and a couple other people and a few other people are trying to survive. Uh, they're trying to get to the surface, but, you know, the pods to do that, it's really hard to get a hold of them. And so they have to walk through the facility and then eventually on the floor of the ocean at the deepest point of Earth before you actually go underground. Uh, and there are creatures. And they're really, really scary creatures. Uh, like, actually, the creature design, I think, is one of the coolest things about this movie. Uh, they have to See, fight now, I have an issue with the creature design, but we'll come back to that. All right, sounds good. Because it's the part I really want to discuss. So awesome. Uh, so they have to walk across the bottom of the ocean. Um, there are some strange backstory relationship things. Uh, the Vincent Cassell character has lost his daughter at the age of 14. It was a long time ago. He clearly is looking at the Kristen Stewart character as kind of a proxy daughter. Um, she has lost her husband. Uh, well, actually, her fiance. I sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, nothing gets really that developed because there are monsters, and they fight the monsters. Uh, three people survive. They make it into the final facility where the pods are. There's not enough pods, so Kristen Stewart sacrifices herself and takes on the big BC that we were referring to, which is pretty much Cthulhu. Uh, and pretty much, yeah, yeah, and uh, takes him out, sacrifices herself. The two other people survive. End of movie. Um, the one thing I would say is, and, and we, maybe this is an interesting place to start off, this is about as economical and stripped down a horror movie as I've seen in a long time. Like when, I, when I'm talking about that backstory, it just seems to be these weird signals that don't even seem to go anywhere. It's just from the very beginning, it's just efficient about the very yeah, about yeah. the core narrative. I'm not saying that's necessarily good or bad, but it really, really stood out to me. This is my second viewing of it. What's really interesting to me about that is then when you go back and you watch something like we did an episode on the birds uh, a few weeks back and yes. the first half of that movie is all relationship building and backstory and stuff that 
is completely irrelevant to yep. the, the horror nature of the film. So this – you're absolutely right. This is – you don't need to know these people to understand them, to relate to them, to, to root for them. And so the movie really wisely, I think, is like, you know what? We're just – doesn't matter. We're not going to show you a normal day at work and then things go wrong. You know, it's – the movie starts, Kristen Stewart's brushing her teeth getting ready for the day, it's maybe three in minutes into the movie when there's uh, a pressure breach and the station that they're on just starts imploding. If they just get right to it. Really, it, really smart thing to do. I, it's, it's interesting that you compare it to the birds in that it also, like the birds, doesn't explain. Like you pretty much in, mm-hmm. intuit, oh, they shouldn't have been drilling, but like there's nothing proven, there's nothing established. They barely even talk about it. It's just the monsters are here. We must survive. Yeah, time to go. Yeah, I, too bad we can't stay. I mean, I, I like I, I I like typically movies like this that just jump straight in, and it really does like much more than even people who watch a lot of horror movies would expect. Because like I was sort of you know stretching out and preparing for like the the explanation of like how this underworld underwater uh, drilling platform worked, and they were like off, and and it doesn't stop until the end. I, I have to say, um, I, I like I like the movie. But I think the way it's structured, um, especially the fact that they sort of – it felt to me like they shoehorned in a little bit some of those personal, uh, like, moments where they're trying to say, oh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. dead kid, uh, oh, you know, missing or, or dead uh, fiancé. It felt a little disjointed to me. And because of that, it, the movie ended up feeling, to me, a bit more like um, an action movie and, and less like a horror movie, I thought. Interesting. I, Interesting. I, I, I'm tempted to agree with you, maybe for different reasons. Um, I did want a little more character development. I, I, look, the movie this reminds me of the most is, well, Susan and I, one of our favorite movies ever, is The Descent. Yes. That it has that kind of, first it's a disaster movie that morphs into a horror movie. But what, yes. what makes The Descent work so well are the characters. And once again, that movie doesn't spend that much time. It spends about 10 to 15 minutes where you start to understand the dynamic of these old friends. And right. that just, you know, that creates, I think, so much more tension. I care. I'm wondering, you know, obviously what happens at the end of The Descent, you know, it definitely gives it context. Um, anyway, I, yeah, it, uh, I, I think the other thing that got to me is it's a very slick production. And I don't know sometimes if, it's in the alien and aliens being the complete, you know, aberration. Mm. High production horror movies just is somehow in my mind, it tends to undermine the sense of fear that that weird, right. poorly produced, almost documentary quality. You get up like old Wes Craven, old, you know, John Carpenter. It creates that immediacy where like you don't really, there's no separation between you and the product. Like you start to feel like you might be involved in something where you shouldn't be. This interesting. I'm watching I, just people suffer. Do Do you feel like because they're in a very high tech platform, like the, the the everywhere they work and and the the tools they use and the suits they're in and all that is very very clearly technologically and scientifically advanced. Does that remove some of that tension for you? Huh. I, I, I would have never thought of that. I think it's more that 
the camera knows what's going to happen. Mm. Whereas, you know, especially when we were talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, and I went and watched like old Wes Craven movies. Once again, I'm not saying you should watch it, but I watched The Last House on the Left and um, The Hills Have Eyes. It feels like it's it's just happening right there in front of the camera, and you are unfortunately there to witness it. And, 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 and like that makes me very, very, very uncomfortable. It's almost like you're eavesdropping or there's something yeah. voyeuristic about it. Here, it feels like you can almost sense the intent. And I think maybe sometimes when you sense intent, horror gets undermined. That's, you know, that's a really interesting point. The idea that almost to some degree, the camera is a character in those Wes Craven movies. Yeah. And in this case, it isn't. It's absolutely, you're right. It's so perfectly framed and, you know, you can sense that something's about to happen because of the way the camera's moving. Um, it does sort of take away some of the power. I will say, though, there are some pretty shocking moments, yeah. uh, all dealing with pressure in my mind. <laughs> like, um, I mean, first of all, I have to say I, my, my favorite character in this whole movie uh, is Nora Price. I think uh, Kristen Stewart does such an amazing job of not only being a badass, but being like a very smart and yeah, yeah. important badass. It's not just that she has she has the need to survive thrust upon her. She like the other ones aren't going to survive without her. She's the mechanic. She's the one who's fixing shit throughout the entire movie. She's like pulling apart circuit boards and going into things and getting things working, which I found really, I mean, she sort of on some level serves as like uh, the last girl, but in this case, it's something, you know, she's, I think it's a much more powerful thing. So I guess before I go on, I just, I'm curious what you guys thought about, her as a character. I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think that it's overtly trying to recall Ripley from Alien right. and Aliens. Um, sure. The, yeah. the ridiculous number of times that she's in a bikini or panty bottom, I think it really, really I, highlights that fact. I, I will <laughs> say, this is funny, I watched this with my, my wife and son, and in, I think it's like the one of the last scenes, my son's like, have you noticed that every time she gets out of her outfit, she's got less clothes on? And I was like, <laughs> and he's right. Because I watched it a second time the next day. And I was like, oh my God, like the first time she's got clothes on, then she's got like a shirt and pants, and then she has pants, and then she's down to just her panties. And it's like, how did that happen? <laughs> well, and the, the, the one thing I'll give the movie is at least from my vantage point, it didn't feel leering. Right. In the way it portrayed exactly. it. But it definitely, like, it, every time I saw that, I kept on thinking of Ripley at the end of Alien. Because yeah. it, it's just, yeah. it, it, and it's a 20th Century Fox movie. So, like, even though that shouldn't mean anything, but, like, that, that's who owns the franchise. Right. Um, but yeah, I, 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 liked, I liked that character a lot. There's, there's one thing the first time I saw it that really got to me. Um, she presses her chest quite a few times in the beginning. Yeah. You find out it's because mm -hmm. that's where she has the ring. Right. Which is obvious. But in an odd way, uh, this is shooting no shock to anybody. Yeah, I, I suffer from anxiety from time to time. And where I feel it is where she was pressing. Yeah. I'll, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll get a knot right there. And Your so solar I, always, I really right reacted to the character where I'm like, oh my God, I'm not alone. <laughs> and it, it, it seemed like someone who's like very determined, who's fully capable and Unlike Ripley, say in Aliens, there's no novelty made about her capabilities. Right. It's yeah, not like, right. look, the woman can do a thing. It's like, no, the woman yeah. can do a thing. It was so great. So I, here's, here's why I love Nora. 
First, I'm I'm going to very aggressively reject your term badass. Here's why. Whenever a woman, a female character does something that shows strength, almost literally every time she gets called a badass. Because that's that's now a trope. Woman doing things man normally does is badass. And I hate it because calling her a badass is separating her. Like she's only a badass because she's a chick doing this. And I really hate it. Or, or, what she or she's being be like a man. In this, yeah. What, what she's shown to be in this man is a capable professional. Yeah, exactly. Who has, yeah, yeah. She's experienced. She's been down in this uh, particular facility for a long time, she says, so she knows how things work. That's it. She's not a badass. She's not brave. She's not the one who's going to lead them to safety. She's just been doing her job for a long time and is good at it, as are all the other characters. Like, that's something I really appreciate about this because the – is his name TJ Fixman? The the, yeah. the guy from Silicon Valley? The guy – he has – He's he great. has this stuffed rabbit that he carries around yeah. with him, Lil Paul. And that character is normally the one who has the big freak out, the, the oh, we're going to die, oh, the, what do you want me to do? Like, who halfway through threatens the lives of everybody because he, he can't cope. He doesn't do that at all in this film. He is also a professional. They're all acting like yeah. just, okay, here's what we need to do because you would have to have that kind of calmness if you were going to work in a place this far underwater. I mean, I, I, well, I see what you're saying. You're right. I, I do think, though, that when you look at her character doing the things outside of her skill set, mm-hmm. she's still doing things that, like, she does a lot of stuff. I mean, she does take on the role of hero. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she's sure. the one who is basically, literally kind of smacks around through her helmet uh, the character uh, uh, acted by Jessica Henwick um, mm-hmm. to get her out of, I guess she's sort of in shock and helps drag. Yeah, she's the intern. Right. Well, well, it's funny, you know, She, I'd say of all the people who had the nervous breakdown, it was her, which was a bit of a bummer that they decided to do that because I didn't think that was necessary. Because um, you're right, all the others were definitely like, okay, we're going to get through this. There was some panic, but I think the reason we didn't see more of it is because this movie so viciously got rid of people. Um, yeah, <laughs> like TJ popped before he had a chance to panic. <laughs> he, but I, I, I liked, I really liked that because these are people who work in an extremely dangerous environment. Yeah, right. And so they respond like people who are at all times aware yep. that they are in an extremely dangerous environment. And I, I appreciated that so much. And with regard to the fact that she's getting progressively more naked over the course of the movie. She's never sexualized. Nope. Yeah. And even it's not about woohoo, let's get her naked. It's like again, it's it's efficiency. It's what, yeah. okay, whatever. I have to put on this pressure suit so I can walk around. She happens to look amazing in underwear, but that's not the point. It's well, funny. There's er, also it, it, there's that line from TJ What's his face when he first sees her, and he, I think he calls you. Like, it's TJ like, Miller. Guys, Elvin Queen. Miller, Miller, TJ Miller. TJ Miller. Yeah, Fixman is a good friend of mine. I was like, no, he didn't have a part in this movie. Um, so TJ Miller says, "Yeah, my flat chested Elvin Queen," which I thought was yeah. so interesting. In that. <laughs> The movie's also kind of saying, like, yeah, we're not going to sexualize her, even though, like, Mrs. Seward, you know, famous from the Twilight movies and everything like that. I think she's an exceptional actress, uh, 
It's very much on display in this because she doesn't have that much dialogue and really, really holds that movie together. I was going to say my second favorite, most favorite character in this movie is played by T.J. Uh, Miller, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Ab- Abel, Paul Abel, who is like the necessary humor. And his humor is so dark and so great. He does twice, at least twice. He does this thing when they're, you know, worried for their lives. He does this like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then he's like, just kidding. And it's like, yeah. you know, that it's so spot on because I'm sure there would be someone like that in yeah. your group of survivors who would just think it was funny. Um, but, yeah, he uh, the, the way that they kill him and the way that they kill. Um, who was it? The- Rodrigo. Rodrigo. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Rodrigo is more shocking. Cause like there's that the helmet. It's so good. It's so it's good. So good. And like the reaction and the ringing. I mean, it 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 kind of speaks to the point that you were making, Adam, about the fact that it's a very slick movie. Like yeah. the special effects are just amazing. They they nail them. Uh, n- none of them. I don't think any of them are practical. It doesn't seem like any of them are practical. No, I, I can't imagine. Um, but yeah, the so that helmet. There's this scene where. He's wearing his helmet. They're getting. They're going down this elevator. They're trying to open a door, and you hear this pop. And uh, Rodrigo looks, and you could see there's like a little dent, not dent, a little pivot in his uh, helmet, in the glass helmet. And they start opening it, and then you hear more cracking, and you could see lines starting to crack on his helmet. And uh, Nora starts shouting, "Don't open it! Don't open it!" And then they open it, and then he literally explodes like a bomb. He implodes. I'm sorry, implodes. You're right. No, no, no. The, the, the interesting point, and when this goes back to the strange character moments that are so subtle, but he knew he had a faulty helmet. Yep. Right. And deliberately yep. gives a stronger helmet to Nora. Well, okay. Well, but, but one second. This is something that's also, it's very subtle, but I think it's interesting. We don't know that. Nora says... I know that it was that he knew that. I know he must have given me a faulty helmet. What my reading of that is that kind of goes with a, something I sort of felt throughout the movie that Nora felt this sort of underlying guilt about everything that was going on. She's the one who had to close the elevator doors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now she's like, "It's my fault. This guy died." And that that continues, and it's I think it's what drives her at the end to to make that sacrifice, sacrifice. herself. Right, because like when the when the captain uh, when Vincent Cassell. Uh, earlier in the movie is getting dragged up I, uh, and his, his suit is about to explode or implode. Sorry. Uh, she doesn't want to let go because she doesn't want to lose someone else. And he forces her to. Yeah. So she's, she's kind of like constantly feeling like it's her fault, which is very and, fascinating. And the couple she saves is a couple. Right. We learn at the very end, she's also disconnected from a significant other. And you get the sense that that's also kind of, underlying her decision of sacrifice she does mm-hmm. she she doesn't have something to return to right and i think for us the audience i think it's one of the most interesting things in this regard i think it's very similar to the thing we have no idea of the outside world like right. earth could be on fire we have no idea right. it is all at this facility that far down below the surface maybe Cthulhu's walking around all the time upstairs you know, um, we don't know. I uh, <laughs> we don't know. I always believe here's, that. <laughs> here's the problem I have with the with the whole final. So the, the the three survivors they finally make it to the the destination, which is uh, this old part of the facility, and there's three escape pods, but only two 
of them work. One of them's busted. Wouldn't you know What would have happened if everybody else had survived? Like if TJ Miller had made it and Rodrigo hadn't imploded and and the captain. It's it's, it's, it's that conundrum of not enough lifeboats, too many people. Right. Yeah. Like, gosh, why? Okay, it sure why? is convenient. The math works out for this to be dramatic. You know, my like, wife was shouting at this point. Just two of you get in one of them. And I was thinking, like, I was making excuses, yeah, I but I was like, yeah, kind of probably I would was, try I that. Was actually thinking, it's like, what's the what's the risk? Right. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Cthulhu it might be the door. <laughs> <laughs> like those girls are tiny. They could double up. Yeah. 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 It was weird. <laughs> but you know, it's funny because I think one of the things that they did at the very end of the movie to highlight the fact that the choice she made wasn't just a sacrifice, but it was that she was going to go down fighting was that seemingly had she gone with them, they would have all been caught up by that horde of undersea creatures because they, right. they were going to get right. caught. Yeah. Right. I mean, there, there, there isn't a ton of confidence that the pod actually makes it to the surface. I think we can just decide on our own, like, how we want to believe what happened at the end. I mean, it's six oh. miles underwater. But they say... No, we know they made yeah, it Yeah, because the they have the newspaper clippings at the oh, end. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about the credits. You're right. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, so let's talk... I like my darker, cynical version, but... Okay. Let's, let's talk about the creature design, because I know you guys yes. both want to talk about So the, the main creatures... I guess take on deference. Uh, seems like two forms. Maybe they have like the hatchling and then the main thing. Um, mm-hmm. My personal favorite thing is not something you realize until the almost the very end of the movie, and that is that these things as- essentially can unhinge their jaw yep. and completely swallow yep. an entire human being. And I yep. love that. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's so good. It reminds me of one of my other favorite horror movies of the past decade, which is uh, the Taking of Deborah Logan which has quite possibly the most shocking thing I've ever seen at the end of it. And it is oh, wow. very similar in design I've to this. I've not seen that. Oh, you haven't? Oh. No. You? Oh, I'll, I'll send you. Oh, it's, it's, it's on Shutter. <laughs> it's, it's, awesome. It is the final word on found footage. Oh, and, no and, way. Really? And you and I, all, all three of us should probably do a show about it because okay, I, okay. I actually became slight friends with the director over Twitter. Uh, because I was so taken aback at how clever the movie was, because it, it's for, wow. it's for old people like us. Oh, nice! nice. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. I don't think I've seen this either, which is uh, weird. Yeah, I'm a little shocked by that one. It's about four years old, maybe five. Yeah, no, I've heard of it. Why didn't I watch? Anyway, anyway, again. anyway, going back, it's it's there's something very, I don't know, it's, it, like that image of just the mouth consuming. Is yeah. so not a common thing that you see, and it, yeah. it really kind of like makes you go like, "Oh God, that sounds horrible." And it's so great how so, they do it because it's not—it's like he starts and you're like, "Oh no, he's going to break open that mask," and then you're like, "Oh, he's—he's yeah. he's going to get the head." You're like, "Oh my God, no, he's taking the whole body." <laughs> so he, okay, so the first time I saw this movie was uh, I think when it first came to on-demand services, and I thought that was was cheesy. In the meantime, I have seen a video of a seagull <laughs> eating a rabbit. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's, it's, I mean, the seagull's just sitting there going, bleh, 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 and like a little more bunny goes in, and a little more bunny goes in, and a little more bunny goes in. And it's one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen. And that's what this made me think of. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, this is awful. You you just reminded me how I always have to remind myself that David Attenborough is not our friend. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. You're absolutely right. Wait, also, it's, it's, it's like a snake. Take it yeah. out of, like, it's like one of those anacondas taking out a deer. It's just like, what? 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 How? It doesn't bother me when it's a snake. I don't know why. I think we, ex- I, think it's I think we expect that from snakes. Yeah. See so those, you- like, you just assume they're eating, like, cigarettes or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and French fries. And French fries. And churros. <laughs> so, I mean, do you guys, like, looking at this thing, I think of, like, Creature from Black Lagoon. I think oh, about, sure. um, oh, what was the uh, Del Toro movie that was not a horror movie? Um, the Shape of Water? Yeah, Shape of Water. Mm. Um, so, like, kind of a mermaid, mer- merman sort of thing. And see, this is, uh, this is where I begin to have problems because there's absolutely... No reason for these things to have legs or arms. Right, right. Oh, well, like I could but, ma- but we don't I know. Ma- like- oh. I, I like to think that there's some underground city that they live in where they have little houses <laughs> and footstools upon which to put their flippered feet. <laughs> this is like some unreleased level of Hollow Knight or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, a good point. Really dark SpongeBob spinoff. Yeah, you're right. So like something. Okay, so okay. I'm sorry. I I know I'm I'm bogarting this this conversation, but there's just another thing that I watched it so many times because I was so fascinated with it. At the end of the movie, um, you know, th- throughout the movie, there are hints that there's something bigger out there because they're like, you know, who could do this? What what kind of thing could lift a nine? What was it? Nine thousand ton. Nine ton. Like nine ton drill. It's impossible. Yeah. Um. And so at the very end, they're walking through and there's this a, a very clever scene, the horror of these creatures dangling. Yep, yep, yep. And everybody who yep. watches the movie is probably the first time thought, well, that's stupid. Why would they be hanging out there? And then, the, you know, stuff happens and then suddenly they all disappear. And you're like, that's also stupid. And then you realize the reason they disappeared is because they were attached or living inside of, I guess, some sort of appendage of Cthulhu. So like you were like the tip of his big toe and these things were hanging out of it. And you thought that that was the horror. You didn't realize that these are like the the termites of Cthulhu, which is so amazing. Yeah, like like that. What are are those fish that are underneath sharks and whales? Pilot fish. Pilot fish. Yes. Yeah, it's that was. Yeah, I, I really picked up on that this time that I watched it. And it's a really. I mean, I, I guess it's interesting, Go, like, both with the characterization and, say, like that scene. The, the movie is happy just implying things without further elaboration, which is a pretty, it's a pretty remarkable decision, especially, once again, for a big-budget movie where I think the pressure is there to make it as palatable and understandable for a mass audience. Okay, but... But. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If we go with the implication that they, because the, they're, they're like six miles down at this point. Yeah. And, and we're going with the assumption that they are encountering creatures that live there. And of course, creatures have to be bigger at that depth to withstand the pressure. So I'll give you that. Okay, so we've disturbed the natural order by going someplace where we're not supposed to be. I'm with you. Cool. Great. So the problem I have is Cthulhu has teeth. What is it eating? Uh, Other Cthulhu? (laughs) Right? This is... 
like? Yeah. It, is, are there other okay. things that are that big for it to eat? Is it does it come up and eat a whale and go back? Like I just mm, and it also has arms. No, stop it. It has arms and I think it has legs. Stop it. No, 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 no. This okay. That doesn't make sense. So this is the biggest problem I have with this movie. I liked the movie. I liked it more the second time I watched it. But the yeah, biggest biggest problem I had was something that I kind of came into focus when I was reading up on it. And it probably will, if you guys haven't heard this, you guys will probably be like, oh, okay. So apparently, uh, as you can imagine, when they shot this, a lot of this is done in post, including a lot yeah. of the creatures. I know what so, you're about to say. <laughs> so Cthulhu was not Cthulhu until the movie was done. And it was done, 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 done. And then the, the, the one, I think the director or someone was like, Oh, Cthulhu's a good idea. So they just shoehorned him in. And what? Yeah, and like that explains so much because it's like, okay, because like if you started making this movie at the beginning and made it a Lovecraftian horror movie, there would be so many things you did differently. And you could have. You could have with the creature set you wait, had. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me that the movie, the true version of the movie. The actors are reacting. It's it's just the the man sized creatures like there's no, an earthquake think, or whatever. That, I think it's like an alpha. It's a generic alpha. So he's probably telling them. Oh, I don't know for a fact, but he's probably like, "There's a big thing. React to the big thing." But he doesn't decide until after the shooting is done that that alpha creature is in fact literally H.P. Lovecraft's Cthulhu. Got it. I see. And that's nonsense. That's that's my feeling. <laughs> in and of itself is kind of nonsense. Um, but I love the character. I, I As a kid, I was obsessed with I mean, And they did. It, what's funny is it looks amazing. Yeah, I think they looks, did a great job I, with it. Yeah. And, and the lesser be creatures fit in neatly with Lovecraftian horror. But what doesn't fit is the movie, the plot, like the way they react and, and yeah. all the things you brought up, Susan, like make no sense. And this, this is why, because it was not, I don't think really meant to be a true Lovecraftian movie. That was like an afterthought, which is like, what a bummer. That is a bummer. Yeah. Cause that really brings down the quality of the movie. Like the payoff just isn't. And it, cause it's so good to that point. Yeah, I, and it's great effects. Like, if you make another Lovecraftian movie where you actually have the true ideas of Lovecraftian horror, use that character design because it's yeah. amazing. It, it, it's like it's it's such a good point. job. Yeah. It, it's one of those odd things. I, Brian, I, I don't know what your background is. Susan, I know that you are also a fellow English major. And, and, oh, I and so am I. That was one of my oh, degrees. Oh, you, okay, all three of us. Good. I've always struggled with how much you give intention to the reading of something. Mm. And this really presents a conundrum that if you shoot something and the ending is X, but then in post you create Y, like yeah. I, it, yeah. it, it, it's a really bizarre and kind of fascinating problem that, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like that doesn't feel pure, but this also is probably a circumstance that is not unique to this film. It just stands out well, a little bit strong. Yeah. Can you? And it's also, it, it it's there are lots of times. It's not just movies. This happens. We know certainly in video games and oh, other yeah. forms of art. Someone says, "You know, it would be really cool 
You know what it'd look cool? You know what it'd be cool? You know what it'd sound cool? And it has nothing to do with and it's like, no, dude, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't fit here. That doesn't actually work. But they're important enough to make it happen and then the final product is not as powerful because yeah. you've got this this thing that in and of itself is fine. It just doesn't belong there. Yeah. And again, it like all the holes in the plot that you pointed out, like completely make sense when you know that. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. but, it, you know, it's interesting. And and it also uh, leads us, I think, neatly into trying to categorize this movie because, you know, creature feature obviously is a choice, but it could also be uh, it could also be a um, I've suddenly forgotten. Well, Lovecraftian, but um, uh, what's the word? What's what would that be under? What would that be? Uh, we I don't have a category for it, but I know a lot of our listeners like to uh, put cosmic horror out there, which is definitely in line with Lovecraft. Like, would that be paranormal? Yeah, probably. Probably the under closest corollary is, is paranormal. Yeah. I mean, I, so, I mean, yeah. I think science is valid. Um, I think we oh, all acknowledge that. Oh my God, that, is it finally science? I mean, <laughs> some of our, like, the most resonant scenes is science. It's the pressure. Right. That's a good point. That's, that's a really nature. good point. Well, no. That's so nature. But wouldn't nature, oh. Yeah, you're right. So science would be the structures that have been built on the, on the uh, down to the seafloor. But, right, but, but you're not afraid of the science. Yeah, you're, you're, you, Susan's absolutely right. It would be nature, the, the forces of nature, literally, in this case. Overcoming science, yeah. But, but is that the scary thing, or is it the, the seahorses that are chasing them throughout the movie? I, but those are also natural creatures. Right, but would it like, be a creature? We're, we're, in, we're in, on their turf, and they're attacking us. They are okay, not where so, they're supposed to be. I mean, that is repeated throughout the movie is we have gone where we are not supposed to be. Right. And so not a creature kind flick. Of a, you know, you cut down too much rainforest, have a virus. Right. No, that's a good point. So, yeah, because a creature feature would be uh, more about, you know, Cthulhu in this case. Yeah. You know, the Godzilla of this movie. That and there's something doing something and someone is trying to figure out what it is. Right. Here's a question. When does an animal become a creature? I think that an animal becomes a creature when it becomes something that is uh, either one-off or not of nature. So okay. mummies, werewolves, vampires, zombies, unicorns, which I, I'm waiting for. Uh, other than, of course, uh, Cabin in the Woods. I can't think of any unicorn movies that are horror movies. <laughs> one of the best scenes in the movie. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw a movie. I think, Brian, you haven't seen this one either. Uh, actually, I can think of two of this. Um, one is In the Shadow of Kilimanjaro. What? Which no, I haven't about, seen this. It's really a disaster movie. And at the end, a bunch of baboons kill people. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Like Based it. upon a, quote, true story. Um, it probably has, baboons are nasty pieces of work, so I, I'm, I'm willing they to believe it. They are, but they're vicious. Yes. And I yeah. believe I, there I, was a 1980s movie that was billed as a horror movie. It also falls short of that. I think Razor Jaw. Anyway, it's about a killer oh, boar. Oh, Razor. No. Yeah, that's a – no, are you talking about – I think it's Australian. Yeah, that's a, but that's a new – there was a remake maybe. Oh, there was no, one the that boar, came out. The Boar is a recent movie about an right. oversized pig that boar, kills people right. and it's hysterically funny. This is deadly serious. Razorback. Uh, and 
I believe it's it's Razor something. I want to say Razor job, but that doesn't make sense. Or maybe Is it Razor, Razorback. It might be Razorback. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's about a killer boar, but it's a normal sized boar. It's just really in a bad disposition. I, I've got it. <laughs> you mentioned baboon, and I'm and I'm. This is completely off topic, but when I was a child uh, living in Thailand, I fed a baboon through a bar in banana, and it grabbed my arm and would not let go. No, and they, they had they are they are, they they, are. Yeah. They had to go get help and they were very concerned I wasn't going to have an arm or body. Yes. Oh my gosh. There is, okay. Uh, this is off topic, but I have to do it. There is a <laughs> National Geographic documentary called, I kid you not, The Gates of Hell. Oh, man. It's like, uh, yeah, hyperbole is not usually a part and parcel with National Geographic. It's about this lake where all the flamingos in the world fly to it and they migrate there. And there's too many of them, and because they're pooping in the water all the time, the, 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 they, they keep dying because they're eating poop water. And there's just baboons that ring the lake, and they literally just reach their arm out and grab one by the neck and start eating it. <laughs> it, it it's one of the earliest now things that's I've a ever movie. seen. Speaking but of- it's, it's kind of like <laughs> – it kind of runs so contrary to natural selection because these animals are selecting themselves out right. in the strangest <laughs> way possible. Anyway, uh, the gates so- of hell. So nature, though, that's what we're, we're going for here. I, I, nature I, 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 I think animals. nature, yeah. I, it, it has enough similarities to the birds in my mind because it's not explained. It, you, you're right. There's no scientific rationale for why this is happening, say, like, what we kind of got out of the thing. That, you know, given the fact that we saw sort of nature for the birds, I, I, I think this is a somewhat modern version of it with a lot of the descent from it. See, I think, I think nature, but I kind of feel like the thing that is really frightening is the environment. Right. Yeah, it's not right. That's nature. Yeah. Oh no, I'm I'm still saying nature. I'm thinking subgenre yeah. would be environment versus animals. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Because yeah. like, for, for me, the thing, it, it yeah, because you are in this place that is so hostile to human life, you can freeze to death. You can drown. You can be crushed. You can be eaten by something. Okay, the thing, the things that can eat you have like, would it be? What if they were sharks instead of weird mer people? Right. You know what I mean. So yeah, yeah you're just you're just you should not be well, there. Well, and also like, if you think of think back to this movie, what if you remove them entirely, and you know, and let's say it was an earthquake. Yep. They would mostly all still die. <laughs> like they, yep. yeah, most yeah, of yeah. them, there's only a couple that died because of them. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Wow. That was, uh, grim. That was easy. <laughs> <laughs> right. So should I, should I it's, type it in my spreadsheet? I think, yes. I, 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 I think the moment, the, the great okay, blessed moment is upon us. The, I'm the, so, the blessing of the spreadsheet. I have to, I have to pull it out from the the holy holy chest of Aww. yes, with the singing and the dancing. So many bar mitzvahs I've attended. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's, it's nature, and then what are we saying? Environment. Yeah, environment. environment. All right. Which is funny because I I watch so uh, it as I prep for these shows I watch the movie with my husband and. Uh, he, he, so he says to me as we get ready for this, he's like, oh, I just found out that the premise of your podcast is to categorize things. I'm like, thanks for, for keeping up. That's cool. 
And he's like, no, this is obviously a creature movie. I'm like, well, no, it's really more nature. He's like, no, that is a creature. So it's a lot of fun to argue about. Um, yes. you, 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 your, your house sounds like the Sessler home as well, watching these movies with the wife. <laughs> All right. I want to leave us with one thing because mm. I thought this for 20 years and the movie brought it back. Okay, so the pressure in the Mariana Trench is ridiculous. I don't even know how oh, many tons yeah. or whatever it is of pressure. But my memory of physics is that pressure slows down the molecules. So why isn't the bottom of the ocean ice? Remember, they do say something, well, in the movie, anyway, they say something about the temperature raising 10 degrees. Yes, you're right, right. I'm I'm thinking less in the movie. I'm just thinking. Oh, and more in real. James Cameron went down there. It wasn't ice. So I I mean, it's cold enough to be ice. Yeah. So please, hopefully there is a physics masters or PhD that's listening to this. I I, I need an answer to this question. Um, I haven't slept. Also, also, (laughs) where was Cthulhu hiding? If you're going to answer that question, please explain to us, was he like slipped between tectonic plates or like where was he like down the street? Like, yeah, I feel like something this huge would they have to have done some kind of sonar or something or whatever i I, I have a possible explanation for that so when when (laughs) nora gets consumed and then she just kind of fires off the flare and walks through the flesh the epidermal Yeah. yeah Clearly, the way that those creatures are surviving the pressure is they really don't have bone or much form Right. And so, Fair. And so Fair. maybe Cthulhu is like a mouse and they can get through those really, really, really small cracks because they're just backbone. Are you saying Cthulhu I'm, has it's, no it's, backbone? He's saying he only has backbone. <laughs> oh, I see. Um, and teeth. You know, a great, by the way, great scene, the very last scene in the movie, Cthulhu running. I love that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's like, uh, I'm out of here. And he's like moving run. really slow. <laughs> Even Cthulhu knows not to mess around with an explosion. (laughs) Uh, That ends this discussion. We have put another horror movie in its proper place. Adam, let's talk about who made this possible. Yes, a lot of you are out there making this possible by going to our Patreon and and, and giving us the monies. Um, And there are some people, I believe it's $20 or above, who uh, get to be acknowledged on the show by me, the man of dulcet tones, Adam Sessler. Uh, so I'm going to shout them out right now. One, the Matt Cave. Let's say it's sexier. The Matt Cave. Two, Michael Thomas. Thank you so much. And three, Glenn White. Glenn White. There we go. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you add a little bit of drama. But once again, thank you to the three of you. Obviously, if you guys want to do uh, a donation of $20 or more, I will do the same thing. Um, and give you a, a special quasi-sexy-sounding recitation of your name. Or if it's as creepy as I think it is, I won't. And $20 will keep and, that I mean, from it happening. it is a horror podcast. Yeah, so. yeah. That's, that's a very good point. You know. <laughs> and uh, we know there's lots of horror movie podcasts out there, so really, truly, your support means the world. It does, me. it does. Thank you so much. And if you can't uh, afford to throw some money our way, we understand that as well. Uh, just share this with your friends and, uh, and or... Let's make it an and, though. Review us on iTunes or Spotify or the podcast uh, 
place of your choice. We really, really appreciate that. And it all helps. And uh, Brian, where can our listeners find you on the internets? The depths of hell. No. <laughs> With the flamingos. <laughs> also known as Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Twitter, Crescenti B, uh, or you can find me on padandpixel.com. And Adam, where can the lovely folks find you? Just lift any rock near you. I'm probably crawling underneath it. Or, as Crescenti put it, on Twitter. At Adam Sessler. I am delightful, and therefore not in the depths <laughs> of hell or under a rock. Thank you. I am surrounded by dogs at all times. You can find me on Twitter at Susan Arndt. You can also follow this podcast on Twitter at BeastiesLL. And uh, once again, thank you all so much for listening. And uh, see you next week. Bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs>